You're listening to Oh No Lit Class. Mostly dead authors, fresh takes. Ruining required reading, one book at a time. Welcome to Oh No Lit Class, the podcast that's recording this after the fact. I'm Megan. And I'm RJ! Yep, that's RJ. He sounds like that now. It's it's weird. I'm, are you are you alright there, RJ? Happy! Okay. How can we prove to the people that it's you? Yep. Penis! Yep, that sounds like you alright. Money! Alright, you, you did it. You proved your point. So this is part two of our HP Lovecraft-a-thon uh, Best Day, a.k.a. Jared, or Jared, a.k.a. Best Day. I don't know. I don't know how that goes. But before we jump into that, just a few quick housekeeping things. Uh, Thank you to our patrons, as always, who are as delightful as they are patron-y. Sam K, because, ooh, we have two, we got two Sams now. Things are getting crazy. Things are getting wild. Along with Camilla, Cheryl, Aries, Lainey, Pseudobred, Jared, Wendy, Brandon, Florian, Sam, T, Kiki, Lucas, Sarah, Karen, Katie, Aaron, Amy, Dirk Dammit, at Killing You Guy, Ben, at KNSJM, Jen, Janet, Tanner, the Not Alone Podcast at Not Alone Pod, Chris at Play Comics, Melina, Ariel at Ariel Teague, and Alexander. I'm sorry I didn't have a, a fun, th- cute thing for that right now. I don't, know how, I don't know how much it's carrying over to the microphone, but I have a very bad cold right now. And my instrument is not at the level that it usually is. So, uh, last thing. Just a reminder to any fans of our show who happen to be going to the My Brother, My Brother, Me live show in Orlando will be there too, in the audience. No, uh, nope, on stage with the McElroys, gently tousling their hair. Nope, that's weird. Not going to do that. Going to sit in the audience like a normal person, but we'll probably do like a Facebook Live or something like while we're dicking around in the lobby waiting for the show to start. And I'm going to have like stickers and things on me, super sexy, exclusive stickers. So if there's uh, some fan crossover there, come find me. I'm going to wear our Big Willie Shakespeare shirt, which you can find in our store, the Brain Trust store in Tee Public. And I don't know, something else, something goofy. I'll be tweeting my position. So if you're there, you will be able to find me and RJ, I guess, probably. He might try to hide behind me, which will be sort of difficult because he's much larger than I am. So yeah, August 31st, Orlando, my brother, my brother and me live show. It's going to be really fun. I'm so excited to see a McElroy like shit. Uh, all right, here's the episode. Oh, say, say goodbye, RJ. Yeah, those are things you do. <laughs> Great. Our next story, our next tale of terror is The Shadow Over Innsmouth, which incidentally... I love The Shadow. <laughs> oh, man. Different <laughs> shadow. Not not the Alec Baldwin shadow. Hey, Reinhardt Lane. <laughs> 
No one's gonna get that reference. The sun is shining. Oh, oh, what is it? Fuck, it's, uh... Oh, oh, come on. The sun is shining, but the... Let me Google, but the ice is slippery. There you go. Yeah, he pulled it out. Woo, speed Google. So the thing about the shadow over Innsmouth, it's the only Lovecraft story that was published in book form during his lifetime. It's a good bit longer. It's basically a novella, and uh, while not a Cthulhu story specifically, it works to expand the Cthulhu universe. The Cthulhuverse, if you will. Hey, guess what? It starts out with a framing narrative. What? Also, it's about fish fucking, which is a really thinly concealed metaphor for interracial marriage. Because that's the equivalent of a dude fucking a fish, I guess, because old HP Hobbycraft was, if you recall, a weird racist eugenicist fucker. It was a popular sentiment in the 1900s due to the early origins of psychology and yeah, a lot of really bunk, shitty, terrible science. So H.P. Lovecraft liked framing narratives and, well, he didn't like interracial relationships. So he decided to write a lot of stories essentially about the same thing. Just a little <laughs> tweaks. Little tweaks here and there. Just su- subtle, you know? It's just, just subtle. It's so far beneath the surface. Ah, sleeping. Resting for eons. So we start <laughs> off, this framing device is our uh, narrator, Robert Olmsted. Only gets two names. A 21-year-old university student telling about how the government is doing this X-Files-type investigation of the small fishing town of Innsmouth, and that the reason they're doing that is because of a crazy experience he had there that he then went to the government about, I think? We'll, we'll revisit that later. Yeah, things, things seem to went down. Yeah. But it all starts with Robert taking a tour of New England for the purposes of sightseeing and looking at old buildings and shit and trying to learn more about his family tree. And I've said it before and I'll say it again and be careful what you wish for, dude. Robert's chief personality trait is that he's a fucking cheapskate. The only reason he even goes to the tiny town of Innsmouth is because he's taking buses and trains and shit because he doesn't have a car. And the bus route through Innsmouth is the cheapest. And everyone in the town he's in now, which is uh, Newburyport, is like... I don't know about going to Innsmouth, dude. Shit's weird there. Hey, sweetie. Hey, I'm in the middle of recording. What's up? You okay? (laughs) Okay. Okay. All right. Love you. Oh, they love each other. She's just coming back from a class on gardening, and you guys are just old and bitter, and you suck. How long have you been using the L word? (laughs) Lesbians. (laughs) (laughs) You guys are the fucking puppets in the fucking opera seats in the Muppets. You guys are Stadler and Waldorf. Stadler and Waldorf. Jared loves his girlfriend. (laughs) (laughs) So, so he's in Newburyport, and, and they're all like, I don't know about going to Innsmouth, dude. Shit's weird there. There's an old dude named Captain Marsh, and he may have made a deal with the devil for, like, good lobstering. And <laughs> also lobster. his mom. Yeah, good lobster. As, it as is, it's good lobster. lobstering. He's like, it's like, man, they ain't biting this time of the year. Oh, I wonder if Satan can help me out with this one. <laughs> I mean, who else you get to turn to, you know? If Deadliest Catch choppy anything, it's a it's a hard life. Deadliest Catch Innsmouth. Yes. Look out for it, right? Very Next good. Season. But yeah, like, uh, and also Captain Marsh's mom was apparently foreign, and you know how that goes. <laughs> apparently his kids look normal, though. You'd you never even know. That's the thing. He says that. That's a fucking thing. <laughs> 
<laughs> I never really thought about it until I started like talking about it and coalescing all the stories together. But it's like you gotta watch out, you know. Okay, sorry. I'm sorry. Keep going. It's okay. Uh, also, they they had a plague or something some years ago. Anyway, it's probably cursed, but that's the cheap bus route for you. And Robert gets on the bus. Right? He's like, I'm going to Innsmouth. I want to see if they have any fucking, you know, cork boards with little anchors on them and, you know, little <laughs> I beaches. love that shit. Yeah, yeah, little seashells glued together. I don't know, some fucking fish town bullshit. I love that fucking decoupage shit. So he gets on the bus and the bus inevitably breaks down in Innsmouth because you get what you pay for. And he wanders around and claims that everyone is kind of hostile and looks pretty weird with queer narrow heads with flat noses and bulgy, starey eyes. I'm not even going to try to unpack that shit. Fish people. You don't know they're fish people yet, especially you if you're 13. Nope. Sounds like Steve Buscemi to me. <laughs> Just the sound. That's sorry. pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> He does. He looks like that. He has a narrow head and big, big eyes. He does have big eyes. Starey eyes, which isn't a word. Yeah, that is kind of weird. Like big, starey eyes. Like, is that not just a thing that all eyes? When I was doing my research and copying and pasting quotes from websites that were doing the work for me, a lot of stuff turned red in spell check. So yeah, you know what? Robert feels kind of uncomfortable and fair. I too would feel uncomfortable in a town entirely populated by various Steve Buscemi's. Fish people. Hey, fellow kids. <laughs> Hello, fellow fish people. Hello. Just... <laughs> I think the dread is strong in Shadow over Innsmouth, and I like it. I like, I think some of the best parts is when he's first kind of getting into the groove and he's like something is off with these inbred hick fish people <laughs> a thought i've often had <laughs> so robert meets this old dude named zadok allen <laughs> zadok allen uh, okay <laughs> oh arkham we can mention arkham because oh the, okay the only the only human in town is a guy that works at a grocery store yes. from like one town over and this is like his fucking summer job or something pretty like that. much yeah, he i know a it was the 1920s so like grocer was something very different right but i just imagine some kid at like Publix or fucking piggly wiggly being like yeah i work at the fish people town you know the money's good they tip well but it's usually with like fingers and coins <laughs> They tip well, but the coins are always covered in seaweed. That's weird. I don't like it here. Like, why the fuck is he there? He does say that. He's like, my family is upset that I work here. It's like, yeah, it's, 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 it's okay. But it, it, it actually, it is the, the grocery clerk who says, hey, you, you want to know more about, about fucking Fish Central? Go find Zadok Allen. Get him drunk. And uh, he'll tell you why Innsmouth is weird, which is a very weird thing to say to a stranger. Like, go find this man and get him good and liquored up and uh, he'll take care of you. Which Robert does. So Zadok tells Robbie that, you know. Another story. Another story. Another story. About that. So he's like, you know, Robert's like, I've heard all these, these crazy stories and superstitions. And Zadok goes, well. There's a perfectly reasonable explanation for all of it. Now, RJ, do you want to give a guess what that reasonable explanation is? There's so many Mr. Pinks. <laughs> yeah. They hate Madonna. They all just really hate Madonna. And tipping. Yeah. And tipping. 
because no one's cut. They all have foreskin. It's really weird to this guy. He's really no. like, man, what is with these guys? And not only that, the women have foreskin too. Something strange. Everybody's just dicks out in Innsmouth. There's smegma everywhere, and it kind of like hangs ew, in the air. Ew. Okay, uh, no, he does gross. say that the town has a very distinct and very he talks about the smell. He, he does, does talk, talk about, about the smell the of its mouth. It was smegma all along. Oh, gross! <laughs> the smell of its mouth, right? Well, the it, the reason the thing behind it, it's, it's fish fucking. It, it's all it all links back to fish fucking. <laughs> yeah, so Doc <laughs> Allen tells him a perfectly reasonable tale <laughs> about how ages ago a bunch of frog people lived under the water. Called the Deep Ones. <laughs> and they would bring fish and fantastic jewelry no yes. matter where they went. And all they wanted were people <laughs> to, to fuck. To fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the, these, these hybrid fish people would be born normal looking, but carry their fishy secrets until adulthood, where they would transform into a Deep One and be immortal and live underwater. Obviously. You know, they might look like us, but eventually you'll see that there's something wrong with them. And an, a characteristic pro- not related to racism, I think, is that once they're a fish, they live forever. I, I'm not yeah, that, sure. that, is, that is a little bit weird. I don't know about that one. <laughs> I, I, I'm actually pinned, like, like how that, I'm sure that's supposed to be offensive in some way, but I, I haven't wrapped my brain around that. It's like, yeah, they live forever, too. And they, and they also never die. They have powers. <laughs> Yeah, so for whatever reason, young Robert continues listening to Zadok as he tells him about how Obed Marsh was basically head of the fishy frog dude cult, but he and his cultist pals were arrested, and the rest of the people living in Innsmouth were like, well, now that he's gone, we'd rather not sacrifice people to the fish folks. This did not go well for them. The Deep Ones flopped their way onto dry land and murdered half the people in the town. I don't know how they managed this, which they concealed by saying it was a plague, and they left the remaining residents with no choice but to bend to their fishy will. Oh, hey, Snorky! Right, they're like, keep providing us with some of that strange, all right, and we won't murder half your population while you're sleeping. Snorky, speak. You always do it wrong. Snorky, talk, man! Eons ago. Linguo dead? Linguo is dead. <laughs> Different Simpsons episode. <laughs> hey, Megan, you remember that one with Weird Magazine? <laughs> so, yeah, um, let, let us keep fucking your, your women, and we'll just keep on keeping on, and we won't murder all of you. I don't know how they were murdering them. They were just fish people. Like, just just stab, just shoot them. I just, I don't, it seems like they would be kind of easy to evade. Yeah, they're mostly aquatic. They probably don't do super great on land. Old Zadok doesn't get too much into the technicalities. This is true. Zadok's a big picture guy, alright? He's not gonna get wrapped up in the minutia of fish people invading and killing everyone in the town. Of course. And uh, so Bobbert's like, oh, lol, you crazy. You crazy old man. That's like two hours of my life I'm never getting back. He's like, you're drunk. <laughs> Uh, the bus is still broken, though, so he has to spend the night in a rundown hotel. And in the middle of the night, he suddenly hears people trying to get into his room. And so he freaks out, jumps out the window, and hides. And he hears a whole bunch of people passing by. And he opens his eyes to see... What, what does he see? Fish people! <laughs> got no 
reason. <laughs> fish people got no business. <laughs> they're fishy little hands and fishy little eyes. <laughs> yeah, the fishy little fins. Oh yeah, the fishy little fins. Fishy little fins. <laughs> you got to pick them up to take them out of the tank. There's <laughs> <laughs> fishy little legs way down low. You gotta. Pick him up just to say hello. The little cars go blub 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 blub. That probably sounded like we all just had like a stroke. <laughs> There's a Randy Newman song called "Short People." It's about it's about how short people ain't got no reason to live. It's a joke song. I don't think Randy Newman actually hates short people. If he did, uh, he'd probably like Lovecraft. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, um, he sees the fish people, and like so many wimpy Ono Lit class protagonists before him, he faints dead away at the sight. Well, I, I think he also glossed over his escape is probably the most exciting part of the book. After he's like, oh, the fish people are real, and he jumps out of a window. It's like a chase <laughs> sequence. It's like, again, random, like Lovecraft, like two pages of action, and then nothing. <laughs> but it's the build up. It's the build up to the release. <laughs> It's true, when he's sitting in the room and it sounds like someone's, like, fucking with the door outside. Because, and... right, like, the lady innkeeper is weird, right? And it's like They're all shit. weird! The lady innkeeper is probably also Steve Buscemi. <laughs> it's good, but yeah, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, 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 right, he does the Victorian thing, he faints. Exactly. So, he wakes up the next day. Like, he faints dead away, and then he just wakes up in his hiding place the next day, and he's just like, fuck it, and he just walks to the next town. He's just like, fuck this, I'm just walking to town. And then years pass. Like, years. Which is kind of anticlimactic. And Robbie has continued researching his family tree, only to discover that... Dun, dun, dun! I was a teenage mixed-race person! (laughs) He was a teenage mutant fish man all along, and he never knew. Um, He's apparently a descendant of Obed Marsh, and he just didn't realize it somehow. And that means he's got that good snorky blood running through his veins, and that the change is coming upon him. And soon he will go into the ocean and chase his fishy bliss. And he's like, you know what, that's not that bad. Yeah, he kind of comes to terms with it. He's just like, well, this is my life now. Yeah, oh, he also didn't mention that his plan to break his cousin out of a mental asylum so they could both go to fish, they could both go to fish city, fucking (laughs) fishtopia together. This is true. He's like, my cousin is in an insane asylum, and I I think that's because he's also, people thought he was crazy because he's also turning fishman. I'm going to break him out. We're going to go on a road trip, and we're going to go to fishtopia together. But first, I'm going to tell the government. I seriously think that they Lovecraft made a serious misstep career-wise without Shadowver, Innsmouth 2, Electric Boogaloo, The Road Trip. That, that's 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 the end of HP, like, white supremacist craft's tale of why you should keep the bloodline pure, or else you'll be destined to turn into a fish and or become a metaphor for severe mental illness because you'll start out looking normal, but on the inside, something's wrong with you. That, yeah, that's that's the other thing apart from the racism, that the fact that both of his parents died in mental institutions, that people were like, he had some issues with mental illness and being scared that he had mental illness, which in his mind, I, I don't know how he would have interpreted that as fish fucking. Fish fucking. Turning fish and ease. Going fun. I think I'm turning fish and ease. I really think so. <laughs> that's a shadow over Innsmouth. 
I really don't know what else to add to that. I just don't know. All I can think of is I got your doctor. <laughs> I'm reading all his papers. <laughs> I got your paper. I got your paper. And now I'm running through the streets of its mouth. I really think, I really think, I really think I'm turning for shinies. God, you know, I always say that we sing too much. We're singing a lot on this one. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about adaptations, which is going to be a little hard. I could see what's happening here. <laughs> Megan <laughs> wants to it. get rid of the singing. I don't know if that's wise. No, thank you. Thank you for your, your, your contribution. We better. should keep the songs alive. Wait, 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 wait. Before we get into adaptations, do either of you actually like these stories? Well, that comes towards the end. That's okay. where we do our, hey, Megan. All right, sorry. God, listen to a fucking episode, why don't you? So- Lovecraft's weird little tentacles have left their mark all across popular culture and media, including TV, movies, comics, games, which is funny because apparently he hated games. Like, that's a specific thing that you can look up about him. He just hated games, which tracks with what else we know about him. And music. And if I tried to name out all the different things Lovecraftian that have been, like, adapted, we'd be here all day. So, Jared, do you have any ones that you want to bring up real quick that you think uh, merit mentioning? You see, the problem with most of Lovecraft's adaptations is that the whole fucking point is that you use your imagination to fill in the blanks of the cosmic horror. So representing some of those things in a visual medium can get difficult, especially when you're a low-budget studio, which is what mm. every single studio was that tried to adapt almost anything <laughs> that Lovecraft did. And so I think where Lovecraftian adaptations probably shine the best are on stories like Shadow Over In's Mouth or something like uh, The Mountains of Madness. Things that are more focused on the psychological torment side, perhaps up until the very end. Otherwise, what happens is these films usually have a very good first act, and then it all goes to shit when they're like, well, the novella's only 20 pages long. We don't know <laughs> what to do. We gotta pad this shit with some low-budget tentacles and some boobies. Because, like, I've seen horror anthologies based on Lovecraft. I've seen, you know, dozens of movies, you know, based on it. I find that movies that take influence are a lot better than those that strive to be strict adaptations. So many people have drawn influence um, from H.P. Lovecraft. Like Ghostbusters. Like Ghostbusters, um, Hellboy, the Alien movies, Sam Raimi's whole Evil Dead thing, which I mentioned before. Oh, wait. Oh, because you were talking about Cthulhu. I couldn't even remember it. One of the only good Lovecraft adaptations is H.P. Lovecraft's Reanimator starring Jeffrey Combs. Oh, yeah, that's right. You even... Yeah. Oh, my God. You were going to let that slip away even before we started recording like a couple days ago. You was like, I got to talk about Reanimator. Reanimator is incredible it takes a story as strange and again i'm pretty sure racist because i think they reanimate someone of mixed descent in reanimator and they turn it into a great schlocky horror ham fest that i think plays up the hyperbole of lovecraft's writing in one of the best visual ways with very fast paced editing gore and intrigue and gross stuff and people severed heads trying to perform cunnilingus spoiler and uh <laughs> jeffrey combs fucking around with a bunch of plastic guts which what could be better than that so basically they, they took lovecraft and made it more fun and gory well 
and I think in a way they, they almost dutifully translated the insane stuff that Lovecraft talks about in Reanimator into a visual medium and compressed it and played with it. Because again, a strict adaptation would have been stupid because there's a lot of anti-climax, I would say, in Lovecraft's writing, right? Like what good yeah, yeah. film would be like... We've established that. <laughs> then nothing happens for five years. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was Shadow Over Innsmouth. Like, holy shit, fish people live in this town. And then I left. <laughs> in a way, it makes sense. Lovecraft, I assume Lovecraft didn't write these stories to give the, his audiences a satisfying ending. So, it is nearly impossible to overstate the impact that Lovecraft has had on horror and weird, fantastical fiction and media. His aesthetic is everywhere. And most of the people who incorporate it are not creepy eugenicist fucks. But like the other authors that we've covered on the show, you have to make that personal reckoning of like, this guy made these stories that are really important in the scheme of storytelling and creation and pop culture, but also he was kind of a bastard. And then decide from there how you feel about separating their bastardness from the things they've created. Or if you can, and it's different for everyone, and sometimes it's like on a case-by-case -case sort of basis. And obviously you're not 13 anymore and <laughs> you understand when you read it that most of the, <laughs> you got your nautical looking Negroes and your evil crew of mixed raced men. <laughs> and so yeah, Lovecraft sits in that fun space of like, well, some of this is fun and some of this is very bad. And he was probably not a great dude. And uh, they took his face off of a- They took his face off? They took his face off. off. It was a science fiction award for, like, up-and-coming sci-fi, and uh, you got, like, a little bust of Lovecraft, and they don't do that anymore. Can you bust a nut on your bust of Lovecraft? You could technically bust a nut on your bust of Lovecraft if you so desired. Well, we didn't talk about the rats in the walls. Um, and oh, yeah, we didn't! Oh, we didn't even talk about the worst thing! The rats in the walls! Except here's the thing that I learned, I learned something uh, about that more so so yeah one of the stories we didn't read because there's just, there's so many it's called the rats in the walls and one of the big reasons that we couldn't read it is that the main character he has a cat with a name his yeah the kid's just a special name he calls it n-word man <laughs> Ooh, rats in the walls happens everything happens because his bloodline is tainted of course obviously here's the thing jer yeah N-word man, the cat? <laughs> yeah. That was the name of a real cat that H.P. Lovecraft himself owned. And he called it that? Yes. Was that, like, common? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was not. So he stood in the street when the cat got out? Yeah, and just, you know, had to, had to call it home. I mean, obviously... Now, was it a black cat? Yes, it was a black cat. Of course it was a black cat. Yeah, I mean, obviously, when I say, is it common, of course, people were a lot more... But with pets? I, I don't know. I don't know a way to look into that. I don't really have any interest in looking into that. Oh, my God, guys. Um, uh, um so, uh, this might, uh, invalidate, um, every single thing I've said about H.P. Lovecraft, and that makes me feel a lot worse. I'm going to read to you one of H.P. Lovecraft's poems. I never directly read any H.P. Lovecraft stories until for recording for this episode. I don't know shit about his poems, and apparently neither did you. So let's Wait. learn a thing together. It's called On the Creation of N-Word. <laughs> oh, no! 
It's short, but I'm not going to read it. <laughs> I'm actually 180 on that. I'm not going to read it. Whoops. It's very, very, it, it lacks, let's say, to use analogous words, you know, if Shadow over In's mouth and the Call of Cthulhu and Rats in the Walls racism was subtle, we could say that this is overt. Ooh, boy. It's almost like you should have done slightly more research before coming on the show. <laughs> But I, I, I like the stories. They're spooky. I know, they are spooky. Well, yeah, I just read you this whole wonderful paragraph about how this is what, you know, that, that a lot of times you have to reckon with uh, an old-timey person's impact on culture and the things you enjoy and the fact that they were racist and eugenicist and sucked. I mean, and then we could debate whether or not this is better or worse than uh, someone like Orson Scott Card, who's a horrific homophobic fuck in the now times. So, you know, your mileage may vary. Anyway, now that uh, Jared has had his terrible moment of discovery, his unraveling, so to speak. (gasps) Wait a second. (laughs) Oh my gosh, this is the... We're living the best H.P. Lovecraft story right now. <laughs> the real, the real Cthulhu is racism. <laughs> there's, there's nowhere else to go from here. So, with that in mind, well, I guess we'll start with the quickest one first here. Hey, RJ. So, do you, do you have to do the ASMR, J? Yes. H.P. Lovecraft. Good, bad, obviously racist. Obviously racist. <laughs> now, do you have any expounding thoughts? Well, without him, I don't know if there would be hentai. Mm. Now, I don't partake myself, but I know it makes a lot of people happy, and I'm about making other people happy. Now, while I might not take part in it myself, a man should never sniff his own drugs, if you know what I mean. I, no, I don't. I know where to find the best hentai. <laughs> All right. I got people on the streets. You can stop talking now. (laughs) You're like the guy from the story, from the first story, with hentai. I like that. Hey, Megan. (laughs) Yeah, RJ. Hufflepuffle. That, yep. Love a crafter. Love me some crafts. Craft mac and cheese. (laughs) Good. Bad. Or tentacle. Definitely tentacle. Um... So all that stuff that I said about uh, reconciling art and artist and all of that is not a problem for me because I think H.P. Lovecraft is silly and dumb. I like a lot of things that have clearly drawn influence from him, like all the stuff that I listed, especially like Hellboy and stuff, um, a lot of Mike Bignola things. But I think the actual stories are not scary and that the language isn't atmospheric it's just goofy, and that it's too easy to tell what he's actually scared of, and that the answer way too often is people who aren't white. And also, possibly the Jews. They're sort of white, but they're on notice. Maybe a part of it also is I don't have any nostalgic attachment to it, but just reading them now as an adult, it was just like, stop saying antiquarian so much, you weird, goofy, racist bastard. Also, maybe... Go find a, a squid, put your dick on it, and it might make you happy. It might have made you a happy, might have made him a happier man. There was a preoccupation with ooze and tentacles and things. I think there's just a lot of repressed kink in here, uh, along with ev- the laundry list of other shit. But uh, yeah, no, H.P. Lovecraft can't really say 
bad exactly because of all of the good things that have sprung from his work? Bah, I don't lie it. Hey, Jared. Yo. HP. Alright, here's the deal. If I had to give HP a PH, I'd say it's probably pretty neutral. You're really proud of that, aren't you? I thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because here's the deal. Alright, his stories were much more easier for me to digest and a lot more scarier when I read them when I was younger. Which is fair. Given that, I also wasn't thinking about the overt racial connotations at the time because I just didn't really understand it. I was like, oh, wow, mixed? Like, what were they mixed with? Like, I don't get it. I'm 13. I thought it was like demon people or something like that. Oh, yeah, no, I'm not I'm not sitting here and calling calling 13-year-old you a racist. It's okay. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, no, of course not. And so, you know, I find that, you know, some of the stories I really do enjoy. And perhaps when there's, you know, very overt... <laughs> racial tones sometimes it merits an eye roll sometimes it does unfortunately blemish the story because i think that his style is what helps his legacy i think that you know the horror of the unknown of something you know larger than the totality of everything that we think is you know reality or consciousness is truly scary and some of the characters and mythology and the places and the spookiness and sort of how you never really got the whole yarn and you had to kind of assemble it yourself across you know a lineage of stories that were you know thankfully assembled by anthologists for you i i really think that lovecraft was you know responsible for creating sort of shared universes it may perhaps in the context of literature um he was actually quoted one of his uh, longtime collaborators and letterers letteries i don't know people don't exchange letters anymore so i don't know the word yeah. pen pen pal pen pal you ready for this August Durleth. Ooh, that's what good. a name! That's a good August. One. August yeah, right. Durleth. I like that. They should have. They should have switched names essentially. Yeah. So, <laughs> August Durleth contributed. He was one of the early contributors to the Cthulhu Mythos, which you know, and probably something that contradicts everything that we've uh, heard about. You know, all uh, Hufflepuffs. Um, cantankerous nature um lovecraft himself was extremely generous with his own works and actively encouraged others to borrow ideas from his stories particularly with regard to his cthulhu mythos when august asked for them he said that it gave he wanted to share his characters because it would help give his work an air of verisimilitude 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 holy shit that should be the names of one of his monsters isn't that funny (laughs) really uh, yeah, verisimilitude means, like, not quite legit, like, le- not legitimacy, but in the sense of, like, make it feel more like a real That's world. That's funny. Yeah, <laughs> he said, he said, wide citation shall give my works an air of verisimilitude. That is interesting that, that he was like, I made this weird, like, I hate everyone and everything. I made this weird stuff. I don't even know if I personally like it, but everyone can come play. Come, come play in my weird, gross, slimy sandbox. And so the people that did come and play in the sandbox, I think, are also probably responsible for why we still talk about Lovecraft today. His life posthumously was bigger and touched more people than it ever did during his life as people extended his root ideas. So it's really hard to place a value judgment on him. I like the horror. I like the stories with a lot less racism. There are a few that are just not about 
that. <laughs> but we just did we did the one with that had Cthulhu and Innsmouth because fish fucking. Because <laughs> it it's 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 on a lit class. We got to keep it classy. It's a family podcast. It's so. true. I like I said. I would say neutral. I look on my memories of reading his stories as an eager, wide-eyed, and naive child quite fondly. And now rereading some of them again still brings a smile to my face. He's simple, though, and it's clear he likes framing narratives and hates everything else. It's good. I think that's a good, nuanced interpretation, and that'll about do it for us on this episode of Ono Lickless. If you like the show and it helps you stave off the cosmic dread of the unknown, subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave us a rating and a review. You can also cling to your tiniest tether of sanity by following us on Twitter at OnoLitClassPod, liking us on Facebook, or joining the Facebook group and exchanging sweet, sweet memes. You can also pledge to us on Patreon and get to vote on what episodes we do, what books we cover, get some stickers, get some t-shirts, and get access to bonus minisodes, which the next one I think is going to be you. Oh, wow. The most merciful thing in the world, I think, is that you can check me out on soundcloud.com slash best hyphen day. <laughs> it's good. It's, it's very good. It's a good line. Don't uh, do it. Why would you do that? Oh. Yeah, no, do oh. it. Do it because everybody's always like, where's your theme song? Where'd you get your theme song from? It's there. It's on that site. It's called Man of the Year. You can go listen to it. Or if you have a, a project or something, he could make you a song for it. As he has done for us and others. Because you're just such a skilled little boy. Our next episode will be on August 30th. And um, look out for our next bonus minisode on Patreon next Thursday with with Jared, with Best Day, where we keep talking about horror, I think, but a very different kind of horror. Did I have a strange childhood? Find out then. Ha <laughs> uh, In the meantime, you can always find us at onalitclass.com or at braintrust.fm, along with other shows on the Brain Trust Network like Life, Death, and Taxonomy, Play Comics, and There Might Be Cupcakes. Yeah. Framing device plus monster equals racism. So Frankenstein was black. <laughs> Until <laughs> then, I'm Megan. I'm RJ. Asking the big questions. And I'm Jared. We love you. Bye. Was Moby Dick black? <laughs> A Thanksgiving twerky. <laughs> um, no one can see you putting a shoe up to your face. <laughs> It's like, get smart. She's asking us to edit our behavior. You don't want to see me misbehaving. (laughs) That's like, that's my catchphrase. Like, I start out as like Chuck Norris's sidekick. (laughs) He's like, what do you have to say about it? And my name's Scoots. What do you have to say about it, Scoots? Of course course your name is Scoots. (laughs) Well, Dad, crap. No, no ASMRJ. Hey, best day. How's this sound to you? Listen to this a second time, maybe even multiple times. That was ASMR, though. You weren't relaxed? No. No, I hated every second of it. Huey Lovecraft and the News. Think about that. Ooh, that's good. That's good. I like that, too. 
Good for him! Anything that made him money probably made him very happy because he died penniless and of stomach cancer. I don't think anything made him happy, even prior to being penniless and having stomach cancer. I don't think he was happy a day in his life. Sweet promise of death. I get you. That means vagina to vagina. <laughs> <laughs> you quit to you quit. <laughs> Cut that. Cut this part too. Cut everything. Cut all of this. Just, just cut this entire episode. This podcast is brought to you in part by the Brain Trust Brothers Network. For more information about this podcast or others, visit braintrustbros.com.